Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Are you guys ready? Are you recording already? Absolutely. Oh my God, you're going. I never know when I'm going to get a jewel. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses your stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at the Times. This week's topic is Words and Music, Part 2. Last week, we talked about some favorite story songs, and we were talking about how those lessons that journalists can take from 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 great songs. Um, so we're going to pick up a little bit of where we left off, and uh, I'm going back to Lane's top 10. Uh, so we're going to talk about one of her favorite groups. So Me and My Uncle by the Grateful Dead. That's one of your story songs. What do you like about this song? And, and um Obviously, we're we're going to try to do some snippets of these songs, but um, if if you can, you can always go and look and search for them if you're not familiar with them. And we did want to make a shout out to people under forty to please send us some of your favorite songs. But okay, me and my uncle Lane, what, what do you like about this song? Me and my uncle went riding down South Colorado. Was we stopped over. I heard the Grateful Dead version long before I heard other people's versions, but there's many different versions of people who've recorded this song. And something that I think is interesting is that the, the Grateful Dead guys, they wrote the music to their songs, but they didn't write the lyrics. So both um, Bob Weir and Jerry Garcia each have their own lyricist. So if you listen to the Grateful Dead a lot, like I have, <laughs> you start to be able to tell like whose songs are whose. You know, there's a very different... Um, message and tone in the Jerry songs than there is in the Bobby songs. From the music? From the music and okay. the lyrics. Both. Okay. Like what they were drawn to, you know, or what types of songs they wanted to sing. And and me and my uncle is always one of my favorites because I love the disconnect of the lyrics and the story it tells are super dark. And if you listen to it, it's like, holy cow, did that just happen? You know, it's like if you're watching a little bar fight unfold, you know, and then all of a sudden there's this wicked cool twist on the ending and but the song itself is like la 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 right the back so happy getting payday going to play cards and there's this giant disconnect between the mood of the music and the mood of the song of the lyrics and the story song and uh I, I love the sense of place, you know, they, it's basically, they, they, you go from, you know, South Carolina to Texas to Santa Fe, and you go to a bar, and the Texas Cowboys all coming in, and it's just a perfect little narrative. Um, Tangled Up in Blue by Bob Dylan. So you're, big, you're a big Dylan fan. I'm a big Dylan fan as well, and that, I think Tangled Up in Blue is maybe one of my favorites. Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts is also my favorite. That's on the And there's many characters. Dylan. <laughs> Early one morning the sun was shining She was lying in bed Wondering if she'd changed at all If her hair was still red 
Hey folks, they said their lives together Shoes are gonna be rough They never did like mama's homemade dress Papa's bank book wasn't big enough It resonates so well because it's a relationship that didn't get finished You know, and you kind of follow these people through their their lives and experiences Kind of always knowing the other person was out there But not knowing if they would connect again And then there's, you know, there's beautiful moments where he, she gives him a book of poetry, you know, and, and he bends down to tie his shoe. And there's just this little, where you zoom in super duper tight on a scene, you know, of a moment that everybody's had. But when you put it in that context, it just becomes profound. You know, you know I think that when when writers, when journalists take stories to another level, it's when they get to that point where they it really feels connected to you, the story, even if the subject is not something, you know, it, it you might be writing about somebody who went through a divorce. You went, you're writing about somebody who's dealing with a child who's got a medical condition. Um, you know, but it, and it may not be something that you personally have experienced. But there's something in there that feels universal, and you take that away. And I think the best story songs do that. You know, they they just they send you right back. They send you into your life and into something that connects for you, right? For better or worse. For yeah, better or worse. Right. Well, and Bob Dylan, he does such a great a, a great job of just opening up to everybody, too. You've got these two main characters that you're following, but then he's like, some are mathematicians, some are carpenters' wives. Don't know how all that started. Don't know what to do with their lives. So it opens it up to everybody. I mean, you, you're going from Mm-hmm. You know, super intellectual to a guy working with his hands, and all of a sudden, everybody who's listening has permission to be part of that world. Right. Um, Lying Eyes by the Eagles, which of course is written by Don Henley and Glenn Fry, uh, which tells the story <laughs> of the woman Roman. City girls just seem to find out early how to open doors with just a smile. overplayed when I was younger that they mm-hmm. would come on the radio and I'd just be like, oh God, that's not again, you know. But they're perfect narratives. I mean, from Hotel California to Lion Eyes and, and Lion Eyes, I, I, I mean, a lot of these I heard as a kid for the first time and not ever thinking that someone could marry someone they didn't love just to have a rich life and then have a little sugar daddy or cabana boy on the side. You know, it was a whole... I'm, I, it happens, I'm sure, every single day in every single city in this country, you know, but to illuminate that through this young woman and old man and what they both wanted out of it um, and the tension that builds about that. I just think it's a, it's beautifully constructed. I love Don Henley. I, I, I um, So I, I looked up um, what he told American songwriter that he advocates, so this is a songwriter, he advocates reading great literature and listening to great writers if you want to be a great songwriter. So, you know, he kind of pulls the other way, right? Yes. And he uh, and he actually recommends Ralph Waldo Emerson's essays. Um, and, you know, he... He says, you know, listen to the great songwriters and try to figure out what makes them great, which is what we do, too, when we encourage people to read great writers and figure out what makes them great. And Henley says, it's not just one thing either. It's a combination of things. It's the way they combine words with melodies. It's the words they choose and the words they choose not to use, which is some of the things we've talked about, right? What, what the great Bob Seger song, what to leave in and what to leave out. Right, uh, right. That's just as important what you're going to put in as what you leave on the table. Right. So you had The Boxer from Simon and Garfunkel. I am just a poor boy, though my story is seldom told. I have squandered my resistance for a pocket full of mumbles, such are promises. I love that. Um, it's, 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 it's,
it's another journey song. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's kind of just get on a train and, and see America, but it right. it's also uh, very rooted in specific details about what this guy's background was and where he's coming from. And testament that it's been recovered by Mumford and Sons now and all my kids' generation. Still know this song, but just don't know it. See, okay, so now we're <laughs> tapping into that younger audience here. Um, scenes from an Italian restaurant, which Billy Joel was like the Eagles, overplayed. A bottle of white, a bottle of red. Perhaps a bottle of rose instead. You know, still. No. Um, but that one and um, uh, is it Captain Jack? Captain Jack's mm-hmm. the disc jockey, right? Yeah. yeah. Those two songs are really long, but they're also like like a, a bottle of red, a bottle of white, and, and it's a suite, right? So each section of a scene from Italian restaurant has a different feel to the music. Right. As the kids go from high school kids, Billy and was. Uh, oh God! Now are you all right? Brenda and Eddie, Brenda, Brenda and Eddie, Eddie. come on! And We're the popular steadies <laughs> and the king and the queen of the prom. And that that goes up through the their relationship falling apart, right? Right. But, but each each time they're in the same restaurant, the carpet from Sears. You knew it wasn't going to last. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that his music. You know, each section of music evolves along with the narrative in that one too. Uh, funny, I, I read something where he, the bottle of, ri- a bottle of white, a bottle of red, perhaps a bottle of rosé instead, was actually from a waiter. <laughs> he was at some restaurant and the guy actually said that and he, and he picked up on the on the rhythm, on the cadence of it. Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, Piano Man was another one that kept the yeah. feet on Facebook. Everybody seemed to like Piano Man. And I, I think the same thing about that was like the Bob Dylan that he introduces all these different types of people hanging out at the right. bar. You know? Right, right. So, it doesn't just become about the one guy. Long Black Veil, which was written by Robbie Robertson. Ten years ago, on a cold, dark night, someone was killed neath the town hall lights. There were few but the scene, but they all agreed that the slayer who ran looked alive. But just, it's very generic, you know, that you don't know who any of these people are. So therefore, you could put anybody in your world you wanted to in it. Right. But just the idea of, of um, this guy taking the fall for the woman he loves in order to not out her to her husband, and yet what she goes through, how that affects her on these haunting long nights, you know. And nobody knows, nobody cares. What nobody knows but me. Like this, this secret unfolding. You know, Robbie Roberts and all his stuff is so dark and haunting. And mm-hmm. That's pretty deep for. You came to that one early, young? Yeah, I, I remember hearing it live the first time at a music festival and then going back and trying to find it so I could listen to it again to hear all the lyrics because I got the gist of the story, but I wasn't sure what the words were, you know, and then finding someone with the album back in the day before you could Google lyrics, you know, and reading the liner notes on the album being like, holy cow, that's, even if it's not a song, it's a beautiful poem. I mean, mm. it could be a poem right. in and of itself. You know? Right. So we're talking about, you know, the parallels with lyrics and uh, writing stories for for being a journalist. And um, so a fellow named Chris Wickett on musicradar.com, he he has 24 lyric writing tips. And it's interesting because some of these things um, are obviously things we think about, too. You know, he says, uh, for instance, don't be disheartened if your lyrics aren't perfect on the first draft. 
which is, I assume over the years, you've gotten much more comfortable with drafting and, and rewriting and not feeling like the first things you put down on, on the computer screen are have to be it. My lead has to be it. I have to know what still, my lead yeah. going to be before I can type. But after that, yeah, I totally let myself just get it out and then go back and try to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times the stuff that you just feel like you're coughing up can be edited into something good, even if it's right. not that to begin with. Right. You know? That's the editing a lot of times. Even you're it. You- hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You editing yourself and trying to, to make it better, make it stronger. Um, This fellow says, more often than not, songs aren't born. They're created and sculpted. Do you feel that way about your stories? Oh, yeah. I feel like the most important part of my stories is the part I didn't used to do when I was a news reporter, which is between the reporting and the writing. Mm -hmm. You know, it used to be like, okay, get my last quote, get my last bit of information, sit down and type it out and get it the other an hour, because we were always on deadline for some news story. Right. I never stopped to think, and now it's time to did. If it's a daily, I spend at least a half an hour to an hour thinking about it before I write. You know, if it's a project, sometimes a day or a week, or it's always in my head. You know, tumbling it around in my head so that I'm, I'm sort of smooshing the play dough into all different shapes before I decide what it's going to look like in this final piece. Uh, he says on these list of pointers, try to have a clear idea of what the song is about. You should be able to sum up the essence of the song in one sentence. And we talk about summing one up word. one word. We beat this guy. We go one <laughs> word. Um, why is that important? What do, you, what do you feel like that helps you do, when, when you, especially when you're trying to write? Focus. Yeah. It helps me figure out that exactly hard part about what to leave in and what to leave out. If, yeah. if this part of the detail or the narrative doesn't shore up, what the theme or the focus is, then I can leave that on the table. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a lot clearer as you start whacking away at stuff. He talks about using context, and I think that's a tricky part of and putting together any song or, or any story is like, how much do you put in? And what, um, you know, when do you need it? And how much do you need? What do you think about when you're thinking about, again, that sort of challenge of how much do people, how much do people have to know? I want them to know where they are. I want to orient them in this world, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think um, a lot of these songs, even that were mentioned, it tells you exactly what city you're in. It tells you exactly where in mm-hmm. the country you are. It tells you it was the third day of June. It tells you exactly when it is. It, so it doesn't have to be a lot, but it has to be specific enough to root you in a place that you can see it. I mean, that's the challenge, right? You want to you give people specific details, but you want them to be able to generalize and find the universal in it, too. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the... the, the the yin and the yang for me, like giving something a big enough contest that it feels they can relate and be universal, but a small enough focus that they can see that yellow feathers in the hair and they can see this little mm-hmm. town west of El Paso. And so a few really, really specifics juxtaposed with some generalities. And like you were talking about before, like letting people fill in that you don't have to tell them everything because they right. can visualize some of this, right? And some of these songs, you know, you can't tell at all what the person looks like. You can envision whoever you want. Mm-hmm. And some of them, you can see exactly who they are, but maybe you don't know how old they are or where mm-hmm. they are. You know what I mean? So I think 
a lot of them have a good juxtaposition of those two. We were talking earlier about a photographer here who was um, looking at movies to find I guess some lessons in, in how to do things, right? And tell that story. So he. Yeah, so my colleague John Pendergraph was putting together a big uh, documentary and he said he couldn't sleep one night. And he woke up and he decided, I can't decide how to start this documentary. Like visually in my head, like where does it start? So he watched the beginning two minutes of 200 movies. He sat up all night just watching the opening. And he said about 70% of them, if not more, started with a sense of place. So Edward Scissorhands dropped me into this crazy, you know, over-engineered neighborhood or uh, Lion King with Disney, you know, starting out, oh, Africa, whatever, and, you know, each one of them had the opening two minutes was putting your viewers in a certain place and time and context. And uh, I thought that was amazing. It was that big of a percentage of the movies. He watched everything from like, you know, Spider-Man to Moana, and it was all, same. all had the same entry. Um, again, back to this list of uh, pointers. Um, he talks about experimenting with rhythm, uh, even within the line of a certain of a certain line of a song. Um, do you do that? Do you? You're, you're, I'm sure you do. You're thinking about pacing, right? A lot, and, and a lot of times that doesn't come up till after I hear it out loud. Mm-hmm. You know, my husband is a drummer, and so I think a lot about cadence and where you break a phrase or whatever and uh, I have a fantasy one day about like doing a, a session with him on the drums and me reading the story because a lot of times in there it comes out where you can hear the rhythm that you want and then you can edit your story down to that you know what I mean it's, it's not necessarily that it comes out the right way but once you read it and you hear it especially if you hear somebody else reading it you can feel like oh I have an extra two syllables in that line or oh everything in the sign had the O vowel sound so I need to break it out I used to be really like overly alliterative do and get a good editor to help me with that. Say <laughs> stop doing that. A little alliteration goes a long way. Um, but you can hear that when you hear it out loud a lot better than if you read on the page. Right. You know? And look for that future podcast. We're going to get Dan in here to play the drums. That'll be good. Um, one of the one of the pointers this guy makes, which I think is really a strong thing for for journalists doing stories too, is he talks about using light and shade, contrasting the happy and the positive with the sad and the downbeat within a song can be very powerful. And you were talking about with the first one we kicked off here, the Grateful Dead song, where it's like really bleak lyrics, but really <laughs> really perky music, right? Um, and are you looking for those contrasts in your stories too? Are you? Are you? I mean, and maybe even in your reporting, you're looking for those moments that seem like really jarring because, you know, it's really sad, but there's a beautiful sunset. Right. You know what? Exactly. I like the, the context of that. You know, and in fact, the ending line of that, me and my uncle, the, the part where the story how changes. He says, "I love my uncle. God rest his soul." And that's the first time you know that he freaking killed his uncle. Right. And then the whole thing is about loving his uncle and having this adventure. And that's all he says. I love my uncle. God rest his soul. You know, so that is the ultimate juxtaposition. Yeah, I love the dude, but I want his gold. <laughs> There's a one of his pointers here, which I think is a great lesson for young writers or older writers, too. Every writer, don't use an excess of adjectives or describing words. I think you probably did. I did. I know early on, just like, oh, God, thought that was the thought that was the magic to writing let me put a lot of adjectives here um have you you pared down oh, over yeah. time like yeah. I, in fact i used to spend hours writing physical description and now right. i'm like i can do athena with the grass one thing and that's enough yeah. <laughs> especially when there's visuals with most of our stories you know I, mm-hmm. I, 
you, you need to know what's the beginning of that? The Confederacy of Dunces. Do you remember right. the beginning yes. of that? John Kennedy O'Toole, is that his name? Oh, God, we're. Out, we got... <laughs> the Confederacy of Dunces, where he basically gives you this amazing description of this man. And it's a whole page long, and all I can remember was the guy had a hunting cap that he pulled on really tight and had big ear flaps. Right. You know, 30 years later, after reading that book, I can still picture that guy from that, from one, that one thing, because yeah. that's such an important. That's such an important. Uh, Detail and big chief tablets and number two pencils. You right, know, that was all you got. But now you got the guy. Right, right. And he's been in my brain for thirty years like that. Um, another pointer was, you know, be careful when using the emotional abstract. For instance, saying things like "I want to feel free," and he says complex emotions are often difficult to describe. And I think that's that's a challenge for for journalists as well. You know, how do you capture this? You know, the grieving widow. And and some really powerful moment, the, the the person who's getting sentenced to life in prison, or the 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 witness in the in the in that case, and what that what the jury coming back delivering the message. Because that's that's when reporting has to come in, right? If yeah. you say to me, "I want to feel free," my job then is to go, "What does that mean for you? What does that for look Tracy like? Chapman, feel like?" It means getting in a fast car, right? You know, for Harry Chapin, it means taking the car keys. It's it's what does that mean? You have to hone down more specifically, and then just being as generic as I want to be free, you know, like it, that doesn't tell you anything. And that's, that's, that's one of those things. Um, I think the better reporters know to, to sort of peel a layer and peel a layer and peel another layer and get to what they're actually talking about. Cause people do speak in generalities. Absolutely. Don't let them get away with the generic and pin them down. Like, what does that mean actually to you? What feels free to you? When do you feel the most free? Right. You know? Yeah. What's that? And yeah, not, not just I'm going to drive off in my car, but right. How does that work? Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks about being aware of the sounds of words, which, like we've been talking about, and I, you know, I really encourage writers to listen to their stories out loud. Um, and I try to encourage people to like I I like to read Lane's stories out loud because I I don't know sometimes what she has in mind with a certain phrasing or the sentence and and if she's reading it out loud she'll read it with the emphasis that she meant to have but if I'm reading it out loud it may not come across quite the same way and we can see where there's a where's the problem there but but even when you're writing I would imagine you probably hear yourself talk I read that part to my dog. <laughs> I hear it like at my dog. But I also think, you know, um, young writers a lot of times don't do that or don't take the time to do that. And it doesn't even have to be somebody else reading it out loud. Like, you can, I, I, I had some journalism students at uh, University of South Florida. I said, just read it in your phone, record it in your phone, and then listen to you read it. Oh, wow, that's a good idea. You know, so yeah. You're not just hearing yourself as you read it out loud, but you're recording it. And then you're going back and analyzing it. And everybody's got a phone that can record it on the story right now. So, you know, you could you start out as your own best editor. Mm-hmm. Did you, when did, when did you come to that? Did you do that early? You were the first one that read a story. I, well, yeah, we, we started reading, but... Do, Me recording my own stuff? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, like, well, but I mean, you, you reading. <laughs> no, no, you reading to yourself or even reading to the dog. I mean, like, and doing it out loud. Oh, yeah, I've always done that. Yeah. You're the first person who did it back for me. Yeah. But I've always wanted to hear my stories back out loud. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I was a young reporter, I tried really hard to sound smart. 
and you can read your stories out loud and be like you're trying too hard yeah, exactly you're trying way too hard and i think that's probably one of the biggest pitfalls that young reporters not just reporters but young writers of any mm -hmm. make they think you have to sound writerly and right you no know, you don't <laughs> i think you know and again so the last couple podcasts we've talked about what music and what these songs give you they give you an appreciation for when echoes are purposeful and why they're there and and you know what kind of words to end sentences on and and how to move people forward and and where you might be dragging and all and all of that from dark to light and yeah right yeah okay so like if you have some story songs you want to share with us we're happy to talk about some of uh, your suggestions um, and if you have any other questions for lane uh, just shoot her an email at right lane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. Join us next week, next Wednesday morning, for a new episode. This podcast was produced by Denise Keenan. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.